Welcome to It's Personal Finance Canada. I'm Christine Conway. And I'm Cameron Conway. And this podcast is a very personal look at personal finance in Canada. Welcome to It's Personal Finance Canada. I'm Christine Conway, here with Cameron Conway, and today it's Mother's Day. That's right. Today's the day we celebrate all the good things mothers do, and what better day to talk about children and personal finance? Well, it kind of got us thinking. Every mother out there is looking for ways to give her kids a head start, maybe a better start in life than they had themselves, or just wanting to make sure that they have all the knowledge and skills ready when they enter the workforce and become young adults. And that starts at home, and it starts when you're pretty young. So today we're going to talk about financial literacy for kids and how that conversation can go and become an ongoing conversation for you in your household. Exactly. It's time for kids to learn that money just doesn't appear out of thin air. There is a cost to money, either in how you get it and in talking about how it is we actually spend it and how that all works together. Yeah, and a lot of the fundamentals about personal finance really comes down to budgeting, good money management, understanding of credit, attitudes towards spending, and understanding how to save and work towards goals. Well, exactly. And you can't just expect the schools to teach this because with both of us, none of this really ever came up in elementary or high school. Even with me, it only came up in high school if you chose the lesser of the math classes and everyone else chose calculus and algebra. The rest of us got about a week's worth of budgeting and that's about it in 13 years of school. So that brings us to our first question. I mean, Cam, what do you wish that you knew about money when you were leaving home and becoming a young adult for the first time? How to make it magically appear like it was when I was a kid? That's true. Part of money does seem to be shrouded mystery when you are a kid. Unless it's kind of taught to you, things do just magically appear. You've got a roof over your head, food in your fridge, and you don't really think about it. Oh, no, exactly. Mom and dad took care of everything, and then every few months, a magical check from Manitoba Hydrobond showed up. And most of the time, as soon as I got that check, I just wanted to spend it. Sometimes went to savings, but one time in particular, I went and bought a TV. But I was, what, 12, 13, and I just didn't know any better back then. And that's where preparation can help, so that when those windfalls come, and you suddenly have your birthday money in your hands or cash from Christmas. It's not just that initial urge to spend, spend, spend. Maybe there's a little bit more discipline attached and also an understanding that pretty well everything in our lives cost money and someone somewhere had to go through the process of earning that money before the things could just appear. Well, exactly. I heard someone say once that anything fun costs at least $8. And when you're a kid, $8 does seem to go a long way. Well, at least it did with us. Inflation has kind of ruined that. I think they should probably update anything fun now. It costs about $40. So let's start by taking the mystery out of money. Uh, money is not a dirty word. People often hide financial details. Parents from kids, you know, friends from friends, households from households. 
Don't forget parent from parent sometimes too. So absolutely. Things are shrouded mystery. And the very first thing that you can do that can help open the conversation is just be open with your money about your kids. Depending on their age, of course, they don't need to know all of the details, but they do need to know that every day you go to work, you are there because you want to provide a good life for them. And part of that is you're earning money. And then once you have the money in your bank account, you're faced with all these decisions about where the money will go. How do you spend this money to keep the household running and what's left over to spend on the things that we enjoy. Well, exactly. If a kid finds out how much money you make, they don't realize that's before all of your everyday, how do I need to live expenses? So helping them understand the difference between what you can quote unquote make from your job and what's left at the end of the day can be a very different number. But unless that's properly explained, kids may just hear like the top number and think it's available to spend on whatever they want. So let's talk about budgeting basics for kids. Now, when they're pretty young, and I mean, depending on where you look, five seems to be the general age that people start introducing these concepts to their kids. Earlier than that, it might be just showing them like a $5 bill or a $10 bill and explaining the value that that money has. But by the time they're about five, they can understand some pretty basic concepts and that can be a good time to start showing them that money has purchasing power. So it can start as simply as playing make-believe with your kids and you're going to a grocery store and they want to buy this toy or that apple and they're going to trade you something that they have that is of value to them, maybe a toy or a book, in exchange for the thing that they want at that store. And that can show them the concept of, here I have to give something to get something new. Exactly. It's just learning that whole exchange mentality that not everything is free. And there are costs of things. So either just kind of playing the barter game or just playing the cash exchange game just to show that if you want something, you require something else to get it at times. That's right. And then as they get older, you can start playing with real allowances and real money. And that opens up the great debate of should chores be used as a tool to generate an income for the kids or are chores something that they have to do as part of the household, but they can also earn some money on the side if they take on additional responsibilities? Well, yeah, I kind of like the merit-based allowance idea. It's showing responsibility because once they're out of the house, no one's going to do those chores for them. So now is a good time for them to learn. That's how it was for me. I did chores inside the house. I did chores outside the house. And if I wanted any extra money on the side, I go babysit my cousins. And that can work very well. When I was growing up, allowance wasn't really tied to anything. And honestly, it wasn't really consistently allowance at all. I think for money management and allowance to work as a tool, it has to be something that the kids can regularly expect and understand that this money is going to be coming in on a regular interval. I'm personally of the mindset that you do chores because you're a member of the household. 
It's part of the responsibility that you have that isn't going to be going away anytime soon once you leave the house. In fact, there's going to be more work to go around. But um, I love the idea of having allowance tied to specific activities. And I also really like the idea of once you get into the budgeting stage where maybe they're breaking down their expenses and understanding their expenses a little bit better, they have the ability to earn a little bit more. So like you said, Cam, with your babysitting, if a child really wants something and the money just isn't going far enough, we need to teach them tools and responsibilities that they can use to help them get towards their goals sooner. So it's essentially just an exercise in goal setting for children, and it can have a couple different applications. Like we can teach them if they have a sibling, that if you and your sibling want the same thing, you can pool your money together and get there a little bit faster, but then you're going to have to share. Boo, sharing, my, 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 mine. I know that's the default way kids react, but it could be a good learning experience to kind of start building those foundational skills so that other people in society want to be around them. Because that's essentially what you're trying to teach when you're a parent is how to teach and develop this child to be an integral part of society. And a lot of these skills and habits tie directly into that. Yeah. And you can also teach them the benefit of longer term savings or even just savings to earn interest. So let's say you're giving your child $5 a week as an allowance. So that's $20. I mean, or it could be more a month, depending on the age of the child and, and what concepts you're trying to teach at that point in time. With that foundation, you could take them to the store and say, okay, here's your $5. This is the toy it will buy you today. If anything, I mean, really for five bucks, it might just be a handful of candy or something like that. But if they wanted a toy that was $20, they're going to have to wait that month to get that. Or you could introduce a concept of savings where they could earn some interest. So maybe if they say, well, I found a toy that I like and it's $25, You could say something along the lines of, okay, well, invest your $5 a week with me. And then in week five, so you've invested the full $20 for a month. And now that I've had the money and you haven't had access to it during that period of time, I'm going to give it back to you with interest. So here's $25 because you were able to wait for that period of time. And now you understand that if you have the discipline to save your money, let it grow let it compound, you can end up with more money at the end. Well, yeah, exactly. They're just kind of building those good habits. But the thing is, compared to when we were kids, it's not just going down to the general store. I, I, trust me, I'm, I'm younger than that sounds. I grew up in a small town and we, had, we still had general stores. But the point I'm trying to make is a lot of these purchases kids may want to make now are all digital. Even if you're playing video games, more and more games on major consoles are sold digitally, things on mobile, music. You can buy pretty much everything online, but to do that, you need a credit card. So part of this budgeting and understanding, we have to kind of have the credit card debate in what is credit and how to properly use these kind of cards or better yet, these methods to buy things electronically. 
which can be more confusing when you don't see the money, right? So it's it's better to start with the physical cash when they're younger and then move up to these concepts where money is invisible and magical. It's just numbers in a ledger or numbers on a statement that they might not even see. Exactly. It's just a bu- bunch of ones and zeros and hovering over those ones and zeros are interest rates ready to claw at them. Yeah. So going back to our simple example, when they're earning their $5 a week or their $20 a month in allowance, you could say to them, okay, you can buy the toy that you want for $20 today, but then I'm going to not give you your allowance for the next four weeks or maybe five weeks or six weeks so that they're understanding that now instead of getting that extra five or ten dollars, not only are they going to have to wait longer for more money to show up because they're paying back that interest, but it's going to cost them fun that they could have had with other toys because they've spent it up front and they wanted it now. Well, exactly. It's all about managing limited resources and just kind of building that give, take and that sense of patience where if it is an instant want, want now, now there is going to be a consequence later where you'll be deprived of those weekly funds going forward, which hopefully will build a good habit when it comes to credit cards. Where you, if you do want to get that big fun thing now, you got to know that there is going to be a cost later, or at least try and get it paid off as fast as you can, or go the alternate route and just wait for it, stock up the savings and then get it. Oh yeah. And if we're trying to prepare our kids for real life, that's one of the biggest things that they're going to face right out of high school. Most fresh, brand new university or college students get absolutely bombarded with credit card applications. And if you haven't had those practical conversations, it feels like free money. Hey, I can go out for pizza tonight. I don't have to worry about it till the end of the month. Hey, I can go out with my friends. I can buy myself whatever I need. Or I could just max out their credit card and declare bankruptcy and pretend it didn't happen. Well, but a lot of these graduates, you know, because credit cards to university students are mostly based on future earnings expectations, it can be very easy while you're still in school, especially if you're not working a lot, to spend way more than you have. So unless you've developed that impulse control when you're younger through exercises like this, where they're playing with much smaller stakes, you don't want your kids having this newfound power that's then going to take them the first few years of their working career to dig out of. And I mean, going back to our allowance example, that that brings us to the concept of bailing them out, right? If they want to spend more than they have in their allowance, are you going to help them or not? Or another approach could be is assigning more chores to kind of help them out. Or if they want the extra thing and their day-to-day chores is enough, try assigning extra duties and tasks for them to kind of work overtime, quote unquote. Well, and that is what real life is. We've talked to no small amount about side hustles and the reality that a lot of people do need to work on the side to kind of make ends meet. So not to steal someone's youth or take away all their fun, but just to show them the reality that if you want to buy something, this is going to be an expenditure of your time. And that's the great trade-off. It's time for things, time for experiences, and teaching the children 
how to value their time and see if it's really worth it for them. A lot of what we've been talking about in terms of possible things these kids can spend money on has been very, well, self-centered. The fun I want to have right now to make me feel better. But another important exercise for all this could be teaching them how to use their money to either benefit others, or we could go into the dark side of this and talk about them having their own little mini bills to pay. Absolutely, because it's not just about having an income. We all have incomes as adults, but we also have expenses. So if you teach just one concept, you can earn money and buy what you want. You've missed the very important and essential part of life that some of your money and very honestly, most of your money is going to have to go towards things that you need and not necessarily just things that you want. So you can start with this concept by explaining, again, depending on the age of the child, that mommy makes money when she goes to work every day, but we have to pay for this house that we live in. So that takes maybe half of the money. And then we have to buy food and gas and clothing. So maybe after all that's done, there's only 10% left or 5% left or something like that. And that is what is going to be the money that you can spend on what you want. So for a child, that's going to look a little bit differently. But maybe as their allowance grows, part of that allowance has to come back to the household and just not a large percentage, just a few bucks, just so that they're showing that they're contributing to the cost of all the things that you provide for them. Or give you something as simple as they really want pizza this week to have them help out a little bit. Again, this isn't to like give them all their allowance and take it all back. That's not the way to do this, but this is just little things to help build these habits and to set these expectations of what really the bulk of their life is going to look like. Well, sure. And I mean, if we're talking about older children and they're driving, some of that can be things like putting gas in the car after they've used it, or maybe paying a little bit each month towards insurance, because that's a cost that's going to go up for you as you add your kids onto the car. Oh, well, exactly. Like when I started driving, all of the gas, insurance and maintenance came out of my own pocket. So it is teaching they're getting something they want, but the thing that they want is going to have some costs to it. So for the fun of being able to drive the car, go see their friends, go have an experience, it's going to cost them X amount of dollars. And then with what they have coming in, they are going to have to budget for that. And then, like I said, at the end of the money, so say the money runs out before the month does, as it happens for some of us as adults on a regular basis, it's deciding, do you want to be firm and say, okay, there's no more free money here. Same as with your job, you're fixed at a limited amount of money. Now, if you want to do more, you can earn it yourself, or Maybe you're going to have to look at ways to enjoy free activities, like going to the park and playing some sports with your friends, going for walks or hikes, or learning other life skills like how to cook and contribute that way. And in that, you can maybe throw a party for your friends, whip up some food, and then you don't all have to go out for that pizza. Or like you said, make the pizza yourself for about what a fifth of the price. 
Oh, sure. And I mean, if they're doing it at home, of course, we're not nickeling and diming these kids. It's more just to teach them concepts. Well, exactly. It's to help them become competent and independent adults later on. Right. And as you've watched your child develop, you can kind of see their money style. Are they spenders? Are they more impulsive? Are they savers? I mean, how does that compare to what you model at home? Are you the kind of person that, ooh, you saw something new and you got to buy it now and the next week it's in your house? How is that going to reflect on them? Are they going to think that if I want something new, wow, I can just, when I have credit, pull it out and boom, I get it new? Or do you model more delayed gratification where they see you and you talk them through the process of, you know what, honey, we want to go on a trip this year. Mommy's going to put away $100 every paycheck. And then by the time summer comes around, maybe we can go on that little trip. Well, exactly. And well, it's probably not the nicest way to say this, but if you're not willing to teach your kids these lessons, the banks and credit card companies will teach it for you. And they'll be a lot harder that way, right? So like Cam had said at the beginning, we're trying to make responsible adults that don't have to learn the hard way. And so much of this can start at home. Well, all this is good in theory, but one of the biggest hurdles to doing this is really the lack of transparency when it comes to money. Because even both of us, when we were growing up, it was still a real hush-hush thing about talking with money, not just with kids, but with other people as well. It was, my salary is a secret, and I will spend it how I want it. And this can really get in the way with helping kids understand how money works. So how would you go about trying to be more transparent with how the whole income and spending thing works? I think that as kids get older, and especially as they're in high school, there's a lot of comparisons that start to happen. And like we know, comparisons are the, the thief of joy, right? They see their friends maybe taking expensive trips with designer clothes, living in big houses, and kind of living the life without really understanding what's happening behind the scenes. Or some kids could feel bad because they're shopping at a mall in Surrey or Langley, but they may have friends shopping at the Pacific Mall out in Vancouver. And this feeling that they're just not good enough and not keeping up because of it. Right. And the thing about money is because of this secrecy, you never really know what someone's position could be. You could be living in this great big house with parents that can barely pay the bills or that are way behind on their credit cards and you just don't know it. You could be living this wonderful lifestyle now, which is going to set your expectations as a young adult for what you think your life is going to be later on. And it could really be completely unachievable. Oh, yeah, exactly. We've seen that well, both personally and professionally, where the people who look like they have all the money and have all the toys are actually the worst off financially. And I think as they get older and as they understand, you can kind of explain to them some of the decisions that you've made. Maybe you've raised your kids in a townhouse because that decision has allowed more disposable income to do the activities that the kids enjoy. Maybe they like hockey or other expensive sports, and that comes with a price tag. But 
it's not always, like we said, the way that it looks. And we want to take away that kind of stigma and that judgment that can kind of come with it. Because honestly, in life, not all is fair and not all is equal. So it's just teaching the kids for their own safety, for their own sanity later on to live within your means and to live a life that you can enjoy comfortably can be a lot more beneficial to them over the long haul than maybe having the brand new sports car and they're driving around like a 20-year-old junker kind of thing. I guess a way to kind of follow up onto that, another decision could be buying versus leasing. Like when is it time to actually take something that's full ownership and when at times is it better to kind of have that limited access to it? Well, yeah. And again, going back to perception, maybe that fancy new car that their friend is driving is something that's leased and not to say that leasing is a bad thing, but it's just explaining the concept that this is a cost that's going to continue on and on and on and on indefinitely where maybe they bought their clunker in cash or we bought their clunker in cash and now there's no more payments. So that affects the cash flow. Well, yeah, it's it could turn into a discussion about total cost of things. Well, and the same thing about housing. So maybe you could explain, well, we were able to buy this apartment or this townhouse. Maybe we couldn't afford to buy a home, but that's something that once the mortgage is paid off, we can enjoy later on in life through our our retirement without having to continue to make those payments. Whereas if someone is renting, they're making those payments forever on and on and on continually, unless they decide to change that situation. So for the person that is renting, maybe they were able to rent the larger property and have that appearance of a higher life, higher quality of life. But maybe it's not something that is as beneficial to them in the long term. And it's just having those conversations. And like I said, going back to that idea that comparison is the thief of joy, we really are just trying to do as well as we can for our kids. Well, exactly. It's kind of going beyond the desire step that I think a lot of not just kids, but people get caught in. It's the desire, it's the want. But the real teaching comes in is showing how to think about benefits and consequences to see if that desire is actually worth it in the end. Well, we kind of threw a lot at you today. I kind of want you, Christine, to kind of go through like a lightning round summary of some quick things that parents can do or say with their kids. Yeah, like I said, it begins at home. It begins with your own budgeting, your own attitudes towards money. And really, kids are the greatest imitators out there. They're going to want to see what you do, and they're going to want to do what you do and learn from the way that you do it. And also keep in mind that the way that you live today, the lifestyle that you enjoy is always setting expectations that the kids are going to have for themselves in the future. So maybe have a thought about whether or not that's something in this current environment, if that'll be attainable for them or not. Well, exactly. The whole monkey see, monkey do thing, it can be for better or for worse. Like one of the things I learned from my parents, especially growing up in Winnipeg, was hunt for deals and negotiate. Don't just rely off of the first sticker price you see, but actually go out, do some hunting around, see if you can get a better deal and see if the thing is actually worth buying. 
Yeah. And I would say to start with yourself, right? Ask yourself questions like, what do you wish that you knew about money as a young adult and take the experiences that you had growing up and try and make the ride a little bit smoother for your kids. And you could even expand on that and say, what do I want to learn about money now? And how can I take my kids along with that journey. And I mean, of course, in our role as financial planners, if budgeting and money management is something that you want to talk about, we're always open to having those conversations with you. Finally, I would say money's not a dirty word. You want to make sure that when your kids are talking to their friends or even just having conversations with themselves a little later in life, that they don't associate money with being something that's secret or causing emotions like anger or frustrations between the parents. So that's going to come back to you, how you and your partner relate to each other about money, your own habits, and honestly, what conversations you're having in front of your children. The more positive those conversations can be, the more that they can see that money really is just an exchange of value. And it's an exchange of time for experiences or time for goods, times for goods and services. And as long as we take some of that stigma away from money, hopefully it's something that they feel comfortable talking about and that they feel can be an adventure for them as they learn about it and as they grow. And I think going back to the modeling thing, if you're making good decisions and explaining to your kids what you can afford and the differences between needs and wants in your own life. Of course, yes, we all want that wonderful high life, but it's just not the reality for a lot of us. So it's understanding how to be happy with what we have within our means and how not taking on too much credit or managing that credit in a way that's beneficial and so that it gets paid off in a reasonable period of time can contribute to your overall happiness and your ability to save for things and for experiences that are going to matter over the long time. So I think if you can teach your child how to budget, how to understand income and expenses, how to understand needs versus wants, and a little bit of impulse control in there as well, then you've gone a good way in helping them out establish that foundation. And the more you can teach them about credit and investing, the better too, right? But maybe that's a journey that you can take together. So I hope you enjoyed the talk today. A little bit lighter. Like I said, it's Mother's Day. Um, if we can help out in any way, feel free to give us a chat. If you're in BC, call us at Braun Financial, braunfinancial.com. And until then, until next time, take care and all the best. <music>